listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're talking about five decisions that make you a great leader. And thanks for everybody jumping on and thank you for sharing the broadcast. Um, I love that you guys also are, are, are so um, interactive. I mean, I love reading your comments. I love uh, hearing from you. Um, thanks for putting the stuff in the, in the comments too for those that, that jump on later. Um, and if you are watching later, watching the replay, let us know in the comments, hashtag replay tribe. Um, but I want to talk about this. Five decisions that make you a great leader. This is so vital right now. And it's not just, it's interesting because we need leaders that are not only in the kingdom of God, leaders in the kingdom, but kingdom people that are leaders in every area of society. And um, one of the things that I'm noticing is that God's people have an advantage that because we have the Holy Spirit, we have an advantage uh, above those who are not serving the Lord, that are not saved, that don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll explain that in a minute. But um, God's people should be the most efficient people. God's people should be the most excellent people. Without question, we should be the most excellent. We should stand out head and shoulders above the rest in the workforce, wherever we're at, school, doesn't matter. We should be... Um, I use this word because I like it, and I think it's, I think it's truly what God wants to do, but I use the word spectacle. God wants to make you a spectacle that everybody can clearly see there's a difference on your life. There's a difference in what you do compared to what others do, and that's why it's so vital. You know, I'm not speaking today to just spiritual leaders. I'm speaking to all of the victory tribe, every one of us are called to be leaders in whatever arena God's placed us. So uh, I'm going to talk about today because it doesn't automatically happen. As you know, there are people in the body of Christ that are not great leaders. There are Christians that are not great leaders. They're not efficient. They're not excellent. Uh, They're barely get by kind of people. It's not what God wants. It's not what God wants. God wants us all to represent him in a way that's pleasing. It actually, did you know, um, praise God, Lee Hooker's testimony uh, just got promoted at my school on Friday. Praise the Lord for that. But did you know that the Bible doesn't only teach that we were created by God. It also teaches that we were created for God. And that everything we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. So what does that mean practically for those of us that are uh, doing what God's called us to do? Everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord. It means that we work as though Jesus is our direct supervisor, manager, whoever's right over us. It's like I'm working as though I'm working for Jesus himself. Because in all honesty, I am, you are, 
uh, as the Victory Tribe, he is our leader in every area. So though we have a boss, though we have a manager, though we have a supervisor, truly, because everything I'm doing, I do it as unto the Lord, I'm working as though Jesus is my manager, Jesus is my supervisor, he's my boss. When I do that, it provokes a different level of efficiency, it provokes a different level of effectiveness, without question. Uh, It provokes a different attitude, right, as I'm working. It provokes all those things when I uh, keep in my mind, I'm working for Christ. I'm working for Christ. Glenn makes the uh, comment today, integrity will make you a spectacle. No question about that. No question about that. Uh, If you look across uh, the landscape, there's a lack of integrity everywhere you look. In fact, I would say that's part of uh, the prophecies that Jesus gave before the last days. He said, before I return, the world will be like it was in the days of Noah. Dealt a little bit with that yesterday. But one of those signs was what? Violence, but not just violence, corruption. Corruption. People that do things in a corrupt way. There's no integrity in that. But Jesus said, it'll be like that all over the earth when I return. And so Glenn's exactly right. If we operate simply in integrity, we will stand out from the rest of the crowd very, very um, easily. I mean, without question, just that one element alone. And so, but as we're, as we're working for Christ, as we're doing what God's called us to do, it's important to keep in mind that uh, we're doing it uh, as under the Lord. And I wanted to read that to you, by the way, it's in the book of Colossians chapter three. And I want us to just see this passage first. This is going to kind of be our uh, text for today. And then I'm going to give you these five decisions that you can make that'll make you a, a great leader. You'll stand out from the pack. No matter where you work, what you do, these are uh, across the board principles. So if we start reading, um, let's start reading Colossians chapter 3. And let's start reading with tw- verse 23. <clears throat> Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there's no partiality. So notice that. Let me say it again. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now here, I'm going to, I read that first to jump backwards because this is going to blow your mind. This is now, the context is what's mind blowing. If we go backwards, who's he talking to? He's talking to, verse 22, bond servants. In the Greek, it's the word doulos. It's, it's. Uh, it's a bit different than when you talk about, that's why they don't use the word slave, because it's a bit different 
in the American culture than the slavery we're used to hearing about. I've taught on this before. In Bible days, um, you weren't just like taken as a slave, uh, although people, some people were. A bond servant was different. This is someone who uh, was maybe working to pay off their debts, but then after their debts had been paid, they made up their mind. You know what? The family that I'm serving, I love them so much, I'm going to stay with them. And there was actually a procedure for this in the Old Testament. They would take you outside the house. Once you made this decision, I want to stay with this family. They would take you outside the house. They would take your earlobe and they would put a nail through your earlobe into the door of the home as a sign that you're now connected to this family. You're connected to this house. You've become now a bond servant. What is that? It's someone who now chooses service to someone else. I'm choosing to be a servant of someone else. Um, very interesting, because when you read John, who wrote uh, the book of Revelation, letters to the churches, gospel, um, he refers to himself as the bond servant of Christ, the bond servant of Christ. I always thought it was interesting that at the Last Supper, John was the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest, and Jesus who said, I am the door. And that means John's ear was on the door who is Christ. And he referred to himself as the bondservant of Christ. And he actually writes to who he calls the bondservants of Christ. And so it's not slavery the way that we talk about it. We think about it during the Civil War and things like that. It was a bit different. But notice these are people that are servants uh, of others. He said bondservants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So notice, he's not just talking uh, to husbands and wives. He's not just talking to people. He's talking even to those that are in a place of servitude. He said, don't even look at your masters and say, well, I'm working for the masters. No, look to Christ and say, no, I am serving Christ. When I work, I'm working heartily as for the Lord, as for the Lord. And that's what I'm talking about today is that whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. We do it as unto the Lord. Um, I wanted to give you this reference it's two chapters back, Colossians chapter one. Listen to this. This is the one I was referencing a moment ago. Morning, Scott Daniels. <clears throat> Speaking of Jesus, I'll start in verse 15. Colossians one, verses 15 and 16. Listen to this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Look, all things, including us, were created through him and for him. You see that? All things were created through him and for him. Hallelujah. All things, that's including us. So we're created not just by God, we're created for God. And that's why I'm prefacing this. 
is that, I mean, I know you guys have experienced this. I mean, the, the, the landscape of work right now in America is absolutely unbelievable. There's, there's managers, bosses, corporations, they can't get people to work. They can't get people to be excellent. They can't get people to be faithful even. I mean, I drove through a Taco Bell at like 6 p.m., a place that's supposed to be open at least until 3 a.m., if not 24 hours. And I drive through at 6 p.m., and the girl says, sorry, we're closed. I said, closed? It's 6 p.m. She said, yeah, I can't, we can't get anybody to help, and my manager said I could close the store. It's like people, they, it's, it's like people don't want to work. They don't want to be excellent. They don't want to push. If there was ever a great time for people that are kingdom people to have their own businesses, start their own businesses. You know, I was just talking to a guy last week who wants to move down to Miracle Word Church with his family. And he said to me, um, he said, you know, I really, I've been, um, I've been encouraged by multiple people to start a landscaping company down there. I said, well, let me tell you something. If you come down here and start a landscaping company, uh, you'll, you will excel simply by, think of this, simply by answering the phone when someone calls you and showing up on time and completing your work. I said, literally, those three things will take you to, a, and it's sad because those should be things that every business does answers the phone, calls you back, shows up on time, finishes their work. I mean, that's, that should be standard, right? But it's not. It is not, it is not standard. Jess Burton said, we've already fired one landscaper in the time we've been here, and they haven't been here long. So I said, listen, if you do that, you'll go head and shoulders above the rest just because, and, and also you're not like on drugs. You're not like you disappear, you know, because you're on like a binge or, you know, you're drunk somewhere, you're high somewhere, take all your money and go. No, just the fact that people can get a hold of you, you answer the phone and return their calls quickly, you show up on time, and then you do your work and complete it. He said, man, <clears throat> nobody will ever have to be checking up on me. He said, you set the schedule once, I'm there every time. I said, that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be. Excellence and efficiency. Talking about being a great leader. Excellence and efficiency. Why? Because I'm not working for the person. I'm working as unto the Lord. You know, you don't have to put Jehovah Jireh landscaping on your van or on your truck, you know, so that hoping that Christian people will hire you. Actually, if you just have a regular business, if you just have a regular business, but work efficiently and you're kind and you're uh, uh, effective and you show up on time and you treat people well, people will want to know, like, wh who are you? They'll want to talk to you. It opens doors just to speak to people about Jesus. You know, you're the best landscaper we've ever had. You're the best pool guy we've ever had. You're the best subcontractor we've ever had. Yeah. Well, you know, I believe, and then it opens the door. Well, you know, it's like, man, you work hard. I've never seen anybody work as hard as you. Well, you know, I, I am a Christian and I believe, you know, I'm like, I'm working for God. I'm do I want to, I want to, you know, you start talking to them and it, it's like, oh, and, and it like opens the door just through what you're producing as a worker for Christ. Amen.
as a worker for Christ. And that's what it does. That's what happens. I've seen it over and over and over. We had these guys that came to our house because I didn't contract them, but the contractor I hired had subcontracted them. And these guys came, <clears throat> Brazilian guys, a whole crew, and we're working. And I was like, man, these guys are workers, man. They're killing it. And then I went into the bathroom where they were working and they had a phone sitting up on the ledge. And, they, and I could tell, because I know just a tiny bit, a tiny bit of, of Portuguese. They were listening to Pentecostal Portuguese language preaching in the bathroom. I was like, oh, there it is. They're all Christians. They're all Christians that are in here working, but listening to Pentecostal preaching. And I, and I could feel the anointing. I didn't understand what the pre preacher was even saying fully, but I could feel the anointing on his preaching. I was like, well, there it is. There proves another point that these guys are coming in here. You know, they're not coming in drunk. They're not coming in high. You know, if you've done any kind of construction work, you know that subcontractors can go missing. <laughs> they can go missing for a while. And they came in and, uh, man, they're all listening to Pentecostal preaching. I'm like, thank God. These guys were killing it. I mean, some of the best workers I've ever seen in my whole life. But there it is. They were Christians serving the Lord, doing what they were called to do and do it, did a phenomenal job. Absolutely phenomenal job. So uh, what am I talking about? Number one, the choice to be a great leader. Number one, the number one thing, I'm gonna give you five decisions you need to make to be a great leader. Number one, choose to work for Christ. And that's, that has to be something that you mindfully purposefully do. It has to be something that you are um, making a priority in your life because obviously it'll default back the other way where you're like, you know, I, you know, there's people that work nine to five. Some of them don't even do that anymore. But it's like, I was watching this guy on a job interview. It was like a, a thing that online, it's like the guy's interviewing him for the job. He doesn't even have the job yet. And he's like, now how long do I have to be here? Because I got stuff to do. He's like, well, we work nine to five at this job. It's a job interview. <laughs> it's a job interview. The guy's like, how long do I, are you going to have me uh, to be here? Because I got stuff going on. I got stuff to do. It's like, yeah, the job is from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. <laughs> how long are you guys going to keep me around this office? I'm, I got stuff going on in my life. Yes, we all do. It's called work. And so, number one, Choose to work for Christ. As I just read to you from Colossians chapter three, we're declaring that over our own lives. Whatever we do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's my goal, working for the Lord. You work differently. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? How would you react or respond if Christ actually worked in your office complex? Can you imagine if you work from home, if he was coming in from another room in your house to check on your work? you would treat it way differently knowing that Christ was coming in to check on your work. Christ was coming in to see how effective and efficient that you were. And so when we make our decision because we understand if I'm a child of God, then my allegiance is to God, my loyalty to God. And of course, I love the, I love the Lord. So I want to represent him in the best possible light that I can. People should know just from viewing my work, man, you know, it's like they said in, in uh, Acts chapter four, these men have been with Jesus. 
They should just be able to know there's a difference on your life just from your efficiency. You're not showing up late to work all the time, leaving early. You're doing things that aren't even asked of you. That's why I thank God for the Miracle Word team. The people that we have uh, with us on the team here, I couldn't ask for better people. They're all producers. They're all uh, people with ideas, great ideas. They're all self-motivated. They're all resourceful. They're all anointed. They're all wonderful. And God has blessed me. I told my wife, you know, I told my wife a while back, um, we'll never hire somebody. And she, she, you know, she's the same. We'll never hire somebody because I've seen people do this because we feel bad for them. You know, oh, that person, they, they need help. You know what? Let's hire and pay them. It's a terrible idea. You know, it's like, you know, if somebody needs help, we'll send you a check to help you. But I don't need you on, on my staff. You know, people that all, oh, you know, I uh, just, no, I, I can't do that. And in fact, Jenna, who works for us, pointed something out that I didn't even remember. We had someone in the office going through our, our office and just getting ideas and they have a ministry. And she pointed this out. She said, you know, Miracle Word has never um, been in a place where we were, we're hiring now. We're, we, we're hiring for this position. We're hiring for this position. We've never been at that place. It's like the moment that more work needed to be done and that we needed more help, God supernaturally provided a person. God supernaturally provided a person. And uh, God continues to do that. It's never like, hey, we're hiring for graphic designer. Hey, we're hiring for administrator. We've never done that once. It's been, we needed help and God raised up a person. And great people, not just someone that could fill the gap. Great people, great people. So number one, you make the decision to work as though you're working for the Lord. I'll tell you, then nobody has to check over your shoulder. This, I'm, what I'm teaching today, this is a way to quick promotion. This is a way to make sure that no matter where you're at, what you're doing is noticed. And that does matter. Trust me when I tell you, it matters. It matters. It gives you open doors. It gives you the ability to minister, but it also promotes you to another level. Amen. And so, hey, Nancy. And so, number one, choose to work for Christ. That's a massive, massive uh, principle in this teaching. Whatever you do, work heartily, not for the men, but for the Lord, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So God rewards people that are working for him. Amen. God rewards people that are working for him. Number two, number two, very important. Continue to develop yourself. Pop that in. Continue to develop yourself. That's a decision you have to make as a leader for the rest of your life. That never ends, by the way. That never comes to an end. Continue to develop yourself. Continue to develop yourself. Say, well, what do you mean by that? It's interesting to me that most people, <clears throat> and when I say most, I mean like over 80% statistics show, they stop studying and developing and reading once they leave college. And then they just continue to go about their life and do whatever they kind of coast through their career. Continue to develop yourself. Continue to develop yourself. Uh, what do I mean by that? There should be, at every point in your life, there should be things you're doing 
to take your abilities, your effectiveness, your efficiency to the next level, to the next level. We continue to develop. I always found it interesting that um, the Apostle Paul, he did this even though he was waiting to be executed. <laughs> He's in prison in Rome awaiting execution and uh, he's still developing himself, still preaching, still teaching, still studying, still developing. Um, I've read this to you before, but it's interesting to me. Second Timothy uh, chapter four, he says this in the 13th verse, when you come to visit me, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas, also bring my books and above all, bring my parchments. Listen to that. I'm in jail waiting for execution. It's the end of my life. I mean, when I say it's the end of my life, this is the last letter Paul ever wrote. Second Timothy. He says within it, I've run my race. I've finished my course. I'm done. I've run my race. race. I've finished my course. However, when you come visit me, bring my books and bring my parchments. <laughs> bring my books and my notes. Make sure, bring, might have been copies of, you know, uh, the New Testament, whatever it might have been. Bring my parchments, bring my books. I'm gonna study, I'm gonna develop. He's at the end of his life, he's, he's already confessed. I've run my race, I've finished, I have finished my course. I'm literally just ministering on borrowed time, waiting for my execution, but I'm not done studying. I'm not done developing. This is what I'm telling you today. Paul, I mean, if Paul could do that all the way to the end of his life, literally to the final moments of his life, every one of us need to be in that place where if Christ is my boss, if Christ is my manager, if he's the one I'm answering to ultimately, then I want to please him by continuing to uh, study and develop and go higher and higher. In fact, <clears throat> here's a principle that Almost nobody talks about, but, um, Hey, good morning, Orlando. Um, almost nobody talks about this, uh, but the kingdom of God is based upon increase. It's based upon increase. So, uh, God is always looking for what he's put into your hand, put into your life, put into your spirit to increase, go to the next level. We see that in the parable of the sower, you know? Uh, he gives one servant, one talent, gives another one, two talents, gives another one, five talents. And the Bible says that when the master returned, the one who was given five turned it into 10. What did he say to him? Well done. You've been faithful over a little. I'll make you ruler over much. Goes to the one with two. He also doubled his to four, gives them to the master. Well done good and faithful servant. Goes back to the one who had one talent. He said, well, what did you do with yours? I buried mine in the ground. You know what that's, uh, and here's your talent back, by the way. You know what that's equivalent to? Maintaining, maintenance mode, putting life on cruise control. That's what that is, um, that's what that's the equivalent of. He said, if you knew I was a hard master, if you knew I reaped where I didn't sow, at least, you should have taken this talent, put it in the bank so that when I came back, you could have at least given me my talent with the interest 
What is that? Even a little bit of increase. Even a little bit of increase. Even a little bit of increase. So notice this parable is a description that God is looking at his servants and expecting increase. He's expecting production. He's expecting production. He's expecting things to go to the next level. Now, as we do that, we're dedicating ourselves, but we have an expectation. I'm going to another level. I'm getting uh, greater and greater and greater. I'm developing higher and higher and higher. I'm going deeper into my calling. That's what God's looking for. God can't stand maintenance mode. God can't stand spiritual cruise control. (laughs) People are just... They stay in the same place for 20 years. Can't stand that. No, the kingdom of God is based on increase. Amen. Lisa, I I just read this in my devotionals this morning and I've been meditating on it all day. Praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost knows how to speak what we need. Interesting to me. God hates it. He noticed that when he dealt with that servant, he didn't just say, you know, I'm disappointed in you. I was really hoping you'd do more. That's not what he said. When the master returned, look how, look how he refers to him. Verse, this is Matthew 25, 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful or lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and where I've gathered no, or scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take what was given to him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, been, who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he does have will be taken away. And, and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So notice, he didn't just say, hey, you know, I was disappointed. I thought you'd have produced more. No. He said, you are wicked and you're lazy. And I'm going to take what you do have and give it to someone else who's producing, and I'm going to cast you out. So notice, Jesus is is teaching this parable to let us understand how much God values faithful production in the kingdom. Faithful production in the kingdom. So God, (laughs) isn't that interesting? God called laziness wickedness. Put it in the comments. Laziness is equal to wickedness, according to Jesus. Please, please type that in. Laziness is equal to wickedness, according to the mouth of Christ. You wicked and lazy servant. Should have at least, I mean, he was so lazy, he didn't even take the one talent and invest it. I mean, didn't even put it in the bank. (laughs) It's like, You're going to let that talent sit around your house for the master's entire journey till he returns? Laziness is equal to wickedness. God can't stand it. God can't stand it. And so uh, we continue to develop ourselves higher, 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 higher. That's why even when Paul was talking to his son in the gospel, Timothy, he said to him, study to show yourself approved a worker that doesn't need to be ashamed. And in this context, what was the work? Rightly dividing the word of truth. So Timothy was a pastor. So his work was properly dividing the word of truth, properly preaching God's word and teaching God's word to the assembly. That was his work to do. Everybody has 
different things to do, right? But notice there's the command, study to show yourself approved. A worker that does not need to be ashamed. There are some workers, and you guys know this to be true, there are some workers out there who should be ashamed. They should be ashamed of what they produce, how they conduct themselves, all of that. They should be ashamed because they're not doing this thing that we're talking about right now, continuing to develop themselves, continuing to do the thing that they know they're called to do with all their might, with all their might. Whatever you do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. And so number one, make Christ your boss. Number two, continue to develop yourself. This is so important. I can't even begin to tell you how vital this is in your life as a worker for Christ. And it doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you run a car dealership. I don't care if you've got a graphics design business. I don't care if you're into, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at. You could be in the ministry. You could be a, a school teacher. It doesn't matter. Continue to develop. Interesting one here. Number three. Choose, make the decision to operate by divine vision. That's number three. Make the decision to operate by divine vision. <clears throat> this is how you'll blow past the rest. No question about that. This is how you blow past the rest. Operating by divine vision. You could call it, if you want, prophetic vision. Operating by divine vision. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 29, or the 29th proverb, 18th verse of that proverb. Without or where there is no prophetic vision, King James says people perish. But actually, if you read some of the more modern translations, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I've done teaching on this in the past where if you don't have a vision of where you're going and what you're doing and what you're supposed to be doing, then you'll just do anything by default. You will. Because that's what, that's what your flesh wants to do. Your flesh just wants to do anything. Doesn't want to you know, buckle down and do what it's supposed to do. And so where there's a, what's the point of prophetic vision? It keeps you on track with God's plan for your life. That's why I tell people it's so important what you um, hear from the Lord and then you obey what you heard from the Lord. So vital because if you, if you don't, Bishop Oyedepo says this, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. Let me say that again. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. That's so powerful. What a great word from Bishop Oyedepo. Write that in your notes. Put it in the comments. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. But if you know where you're going, then you're not satisfied with just any destination. Amen. We took the kids up to Universal Studios. They like to go to Universal Studios. Well, they know what Universal Studios is like. They know what it looks like. I can't trick them. 
I can't be like, hey, we're going to Universal Studios and then show up at the dentist's office. Like, welcome to Universal. Like, no, this is not Universal. I know what Universal looks like. This is not it. This is not it. So I can't trick them. You know why? Because they've already had a vision of what Universal Studios looks like. They already know what it is. They know what to expect. They know what they're expecting. Once you have a vision of what it is you're expecting, nothing else will substitute for that thing that you're, that you're expecting. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about now. <clears throat> now think about it. If you do have prophetic vision from the Lord, see that's how I got into the space that we're sitting in today. My father gave us a word and he had a vision and I had my wife or my wife had him write the vision, draw it on a, on a piece of paper. And when he drew that, I looked at a bunch of properties. I looked at a bunch of properties around here for this TV studio, a bunch of them. And they were nice and they were in nice places. But I'm going to tell you something. Even though they were nice, I didn't take them. You said, why wouldn't you take it? It was nice and it was in a great, great part of town and, you know, centrally located. I didn't take it because it didn't look like our vision. We took that picture that my dad drew, put it on the fridge and looked at it every day. And until we found it, it, this was the last place that we looked at, the place I'm sitting in right now. Like, aren't there any other places? Yes. And my wife said, what about this place? And the lady said, oh, we can go. It's kind of out of the way, whatever. All right, let's go look. We drive into the parking lot and it looks exactly, exactly like the drawing. Not a little bit like it, exactly like it. Even the place where the palm trees were and everything else. Looks exactly like it. And uh, we knew. This is the destination. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. So this is why I tell people, it's so vital that you fast and pray to know what you're called to do in life. So important to fast and pray and say, Lord, what is it that you want for me to do? That's right. And Orlando said, and even the church location is great location. But the Lord opened that up supernaturally. You know, I never, Orlando, I never said this, but very interesting that when my father was uh, praying about even our church location, this is separate from this building. And he said, um, he said, I see like this ball on the building. There's like a ball on the building. He had, we had never seen anything in West Palm yet. He said, I see like a ball on on the building. Well, (laughs) put the picture back up of the place. Look at that right over the, this is our spot, right where the ball is on top of the building, that big that big circular dome part, right under there. Now we could have, we, think about this. It could have been anywhere up and down that strip that you're looking at. The space we were leasing could have been anywhere up and down that strip. It's a huge strip, but we're right under that big ball thing on top of the, on top of the building. That's the only, only thing he had in his spirit. He said, I see like a ball. He's like a big ball and there you go. And that's, that's the space we're at, right on top. That big ball shape on top of the building could have been anywhere. We could have been on the far end. It could have been in another building, could have been somewhere else. Amen. But see prophetic direction. Wow. That's, that's great. Five minutes away. I love it. That's right. Susan. If 
You don't know where you're going. Anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. Amen. So I'm telling you right now, if you don't know where you're going, it's time to find out. This makes you a great leader because the moment that you recognize, get this in your spirit, the moment you recognize what you're called to do, your thing, you won't be satisfied with anything else but your thing. Hallelujah. You won't be satisfied with anything else but your thing. And then you do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. You take hold of the promise God gave you. No, see, when you have that, nobody can then lie you out of your promise. You can't be discouraged out of your promise. I know where I'm headed. I know what I'm called to do. I'm going after it with everything I've got. And God's blessing it because it's his plan, not my plan. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I would not want to be pastoring a church if the Lord didn't tell me to pastor a church. What a mistake that would have been. People, I don't understand people that just get up and make the decision. I'm just going to do this. I feel like I'm supposed No, I told the Lord, I don't want to do anything that's outside of your instruction. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. If God didn't tell me to do it, let it remain undone. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't take me there, may I never arrive in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's, if it's his thing, then he takes care of it. Doesn't mean I don't have to work. I told you already, that was last point. We're working. We're working with everything we got. And when I say that, I literally mean we are working as Miracle Word team with everything we've got. And so we're not lazy people. We're still working, but we know that our work's not in vain, right? Our work's not in vain. Your work's not in vain. If the Lord's given you the instruction, why? Psalm 127. And verse number one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so what's, what am I saying? I refuse to build anything that the Lord's not building. I refuse to build anything that the Lord's not building. I don't want to work in vain. And so that's why I told the Lord, you know, I'm never doing anything. That's why we fasted and prayed heavily before we even, you know, say, yeah, that's the Lord telling us we're evangelists, launch that church, do both. So, okay, okay, better be the Lord. So you don't just flippantly make a decision. You make sure that is the Lord speaking. We're led by the spirit. And then if we'd have never done it, we'd have never been been able to meet all these wonderful families now that are a part of Miracle Word Church. Never would have been able to be connected to these wonderful people God's given us if we had never obeyed the voice of the Lord. And so we've got to operate by prophetic vision. Got to operate by prophetic vision. Without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Let me tell you what that means. Once you have vision, it's not that you just know what you should do. It also sets the parameters for all the things you shouldn't do right? It's not just that you know the things you should do. It sets the parameters, all the things I shouldn't do, all the things. So it actually puts restraints on my actions. It puts restraints. For example, as I said, for me to get up um, north, let's say I wanted to go up north to, you know, wherever, go up to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. I want to get up to, you know, whatever, New York City. And if I wanted to drive it, If I get in my vehicle, 
I know if I want to end up in New York, I better get on 95 North, Interstate 95 North. Interstate 95 North, if I want to get there. But it's not just that I know that. It's that if I want to go to New York, and that's the destination I'm supposed to be arriving at, I also know I'm not supposed to get on 95 South. I also know I'm not supposed to get on Alligator Alley and go to the other side of the state. I also know I'm not supposed to get on 75 or some other interstate and go somewhere else. I don't just know what I should do. I also know the things I should not do. And so when you have prophetic vision on your life, it sets parameters and says, yes, if I'm doing this, then I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. That's the power of it. That's the power. Do you understand? It says people cast off restraint. What does that mean? It means they start doing anything and everything that they want to do instead of the thing they're supposed to be doing. See, this is why if you're going to be a great leader, because here's, here's what happens. And you know this because you, you've lived it, I'm sure. When you're doing something for the Lord, when you're doing something in your life, there are plenty of people the enemy will send that will tell you it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, I, I wouldn't. If I were you, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Well, you're not me. Amen, Leslie. Amen. You say, yeah, you're not me. I wouldn't, I, I don't, you know, if it were me, you know, I, I wouldn't go that direction. I wouldn't do that. I don't think it's the right time to do that. I don't think, oh, I wouldn't get my hopes up. There's all these people that come in to speak doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief. No question. The enemy sends them. And some people are just so in their flesh, they don't even know they're being used to speak doubt and unbelief. And so if you don't know that you're called to do it, if you don't know what, where you're headed, then you can be talked right out of it. Amen, Orlando, I believe that. He said, there are so many people around the new church building, the church will grow quickly. I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't know, that's the problem. If you don't know where you're headed, then people can show up and talk you out of it. People can show up and discourage you. I agree with that. Cameron said, one crucial thing you taught us, especially me, say a quick yes and a hard no. Yeah. Say a quick yes to the Lord and a hard no. A hard no to everybody else. You understand? A quick yes and a hard no. See, what does that mean? It means I know. Once the Lord's spoken, man, I know. I know that that's my calling. I know that's where I'm headed. I know that's my purpose. So that means because I know, I don't care who tries to talk me out of it. I don't care. You know, people come up to me, you know, West Palm Beach, an expensive area. You know, West Palm Beach, I don't know about, about property there. You know, I don't know about that. I don't know if there's a lot of stuff available. I don't know. Keep talking. I don't care. I know what God said. I know it. When God spoke to us, he didn't say Lake Wales. He didn't say uh, North Palm. He didn't say Palm Beach Gardens. He didn't say Jupiter. He said West Palm Beach. So if I'm looking for a place, I'm not looking in Jupiter. I'm not looking in Lake Wales. I'm not looking in in, uh, Palm Beach Gardens. I'm not looking... 
uh, I'm, I'm looking at West Palm Beach. That's what the Lord said. He said, start at the airport, look out from there. That's what I did. That's what we still are doing now. <laughs> We're still in a place by the airport. The Lord said, start at the airport, work out from there. It's what we did. And he's blessed us every step along the way. Every step along the way. Even this place that Orlando's referring to, this, this building, it's still only, I think, about eight minutes from the airport. And it's right in the middle of everything. And it's in West Palm Beach. It's not in Jupiter. It's not in North Palm Beach, Palm Beach Gardens, you know, Lake Wales, none of that. It's where the Lord told us to be. And if I didn't know where the Lord told us to be, and by the way, sometimes the Lord will tell you something and it's like, hold on, that doesn't even seem to make sense. I don't, I don't understand. That's how I felt. You know why I felt that way? Because in all the years that I've been in the ministry, I had never really done any ministry in West Palm Beach. I think in all the years I've preached two times, two times in, in West Palm Beach. And they were both for one day only, one night. And they were both at uh, conferences that somebody was uh, holding. And so I didn't have like all these connections in West Palm Beach and I, all these people that had been part of my ministry. And all, it was like, we heard that instruction, like West Palm Beach, really? Yeah, West Palm Beach, West Palm Beach. It was in my spirit. The Holy Ghost said it. All right, well, if, the, if you said it, I'm gonna do it. If you said it, I'm gonna do it. Glory to God. Amen. If you said it, I'm going to do it. And so we did it. And if you know, see, that's why I'm saying, if you know what, what it is uh, that you're supposed to be doing, you won't be talked out of it. You'll not be talked out of it. You'll not be discouraged away from it. Amen. You have, it sets parameters on your vision. You'll not cast off restraint because you've got prophetic vision. Hallelujah. Number one, make Christ your boss. Number two, you have to continue to develop yourself. Number three, you have to choose to operate by prophetic vision. Without question, do what the Holy Ghost told you to do. Number four, here's a, here's a big one. And I, I can't even, I cannot overstate this one. You ready? Number four, choose to walk daily in overwhelming peace and joy. Choose. Choose to walk daily in peace and joy every day. I know, Orlando, I'm excited. I'm very happy about it. Very happy about it. Choose to walk daily in overwhelming. Say, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I just did that whole series. You can go back and watch it. We're making it into a book. Total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. Total victory over discouragement, anxiety, heaviness. I don't care how powerful you are. Doesn't matter how powerful you are. The enemy will try to use discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness to keep you from your purpose. Great leaders go beyond their feelings, they go beyond their emotions, and they go by what the Word of God says. And they use the tools that the Holy Spirit's given to accomplish their purpose. They use the tools. Peace and joy are two of the elements that make up the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, Romans 14, 17. So you have to make a choice. You say, how do I operate in that kind of overwhelming peace and joy? 
Simply let me say this. Prayer releases peace. Praise releases joy. Very simple to understand. Prayer releases peace. Praise releases joy. Wow. Sherry said, thank you for that week of teaching. I threw away all my psych meds. I'm free. Hallelujah. What a testimony. Erica just said, I was just walking around the house. Thank you, Lord, that I have a spirit of peace. I have a spirit of joy. I have a spirit of faith. That's what I told him in that series. I do that. I walk around. Thank you, Lord. I have a spirit of faith. I have a spirit of joy. I have a spirit of peace. Thank you, Lord. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. There's a spirit of faith in the air. Hallelujah. I can feel it right now everywhere. That's why we play that song. Lord, hit me with it. I'm sticking with it. Holy Ghost is moving. My future's improving. There's a spirit of faith in the air. There is. You better believe it because we have a spirit of faith. We have a spirit of joy. We have a spirit of peace. Gina said that week of teaching really set me free. I was about to spiral and I'm thankful for that. See, the Holy Ghost knows what we need. And if you're watching or listening on the podcast and you need that, go back and watch the playlist on YouTube. Go back and watch it. Go back and watch it. Um, Total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. Amen. That's right, Glenn. And so you choose to have peace and joy, and then you provoke peace and joy. In fact, maybe that's an even better way to say it. It's it's a decision you make as a leader, but let me say it that way. Provoke peace and joy. Provoke peace and joy. Because by the way, I'm not talking about happiness you know, and natural peace. No, I'm talking about supernatural peace that goes beyond natural understanding. And I'm talking about a joy that is a supernatural joy that goes beyond what the natural mind can even comprehend. I'm not happy because there's happy circumstances. I got a Holy Ghost joy that stays on me nonstop, nonstop. And it's provoked. These things are provoked by our actions. The Bible teaches that. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7 and 8. And the Bible says what? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. So what's the story there? Peace that passes understanding is provoked by what? Prayer and thanksgiving by prayer and thanksgiving, but then the joy that hits you, overwhelming joy, overwhelming joy. How does that come? Through praise. I'll give them a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. He inhabits the praises of his people and then in his presence is fullness of joy. So joy is provoked by praise. Peace is provoked by prayer and thanksgiving. Make a decision. Every single day, every single day, I am going to have that kind of supernatural joy and peace. It overrides everything else, everything else. Make it a priority. Make prayer a priority. Make make praise a priority. Make God's word a priority every day as you're developing. And then what happens is what? Is now, as I'm moving forward, I can't, I can't be stopped by a spirit of fear. 
because I got a spirit of peace. Hallelujah. I got a spirit of peace. I can't be stopped by heaviness. I can't be stopped by depression. I can't be stopped by suicidal thoughts. I got a spirit of joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got a spirit of joy. I can't be stopped by doubt and unbelief. I can't be stopped by double-mindedness. I can't be stopped by, why? I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. I've got, just say it out loud right where you're at. Even if you're at work, I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. I've got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Oh yes. Thank you, Lord. I feel the anointing on this today. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. I'm provoking that every day, every single day. Amen. And that, let me tell you something. It's something we do have to provoke. Because as I, as I taught in that teaching, there's always resistance coming back at you from the spirit of this world every single day. The spirit of antichrist, the spirit of this world, the spirit of this age pushes back against you every day. Evil reports, words of discouragement, you, looking at the natural realm, un, being unsure about what the future holds, it's pushing back. So you know what that means? You fight the good fight of faith. You lay hold on eternal life every day. I provoke my peace. I provoke my joy. I've got a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, I say it, you know, because the spirit of faith is released by speaking. I preached this again on Sunday. I got it. I got to stay on this confession. The, the spirit of faith is released by speaking. The apostles, uh, Paul said, we believe and we also speak because what? We've got the same spirit of faith as it is written. I believed and so I spoke. We also believe. And so we also speak. Second Corinthians 4.13. Oh, yes, it is, Erica. And she said, and that's how you feel the atmosphere shift. You better believe it. You better believe it. Every... Every spirit of heaviness has to go. Every spirit of fear has to go. Spirit of doubt has to go. And you're filled to overflowing. You take control of your atmosphere. So now we're never, as leaders, we're never at the mercy of how we feel. We're never at the mercy. Whew, glory to God. <laughs> Orlando said, I got the spirit of faith and joy. That hit me Sunday. Praise God. Hit me too. Hit me Sunday, and it previously had hit me on Wednesday, and it carried on through. I still feel it right now. I've got it. Spirit of faith, spirit of joy, spirit of peace. We all have it. We are the victory tribe. Amen. We are the victory tribe. So that's number four. Provoke peace and joy on a daily basis. And then let me say this. Make a decision. This is what great leaders do. Make a decision to stay hungry and anointed. Put in the comments, number five, make a decision to stay hungry and anointed. You have to make that decision. To stay what? Hungry and anointed. Jesus teaching on uh, the Mount, his sermon on the Mount, he says this when he's teaching the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. King James says filled. 
They shall be filled, satisfied with what they hunger for. So notice, there's a blessing that comes on them, but it's their responsibility to be hungry and thirsty. Amen. It's their responsibility to be hungry and thirsty. I've got to make the decision on a daily basis to stay hungry, stay thirsty, stay hungry, stay thirsty. Amen. Dr. John G. Lake, one of the greatest men of God of the last century, he said, if there's one thing I could impart to the body of Christ, to Christians, it would be spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. That's what he said. Here's a man that saw hundreds of thousands of documented miracles. People didn't even believe it until they got investigated by the Better Business Bureau. Then they had to print a front page newspaper article The half of the stories have not even been told. The half of the stories have not even been told. We love you, Grace. So uh, he said spiritual hunger is the key. Spiritual hunger is the key. Spiritual hunger is the key. And so notice he's saying everything that's driving the supernatural comes out of someone's spiritual hunger. What comes? How does revival start? People get spiritually hungry. Enough to go after God. If my people that are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, what to, how does that come? Through hunger. I need God. I need his power. I need his anointing. I need the manifestations, right, of his spirit. I need my nation changed. I need my generation shaken. I need God's power. I can't do it by myself. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You have to, and that's it. So you say, how do you get, here's the question people have asked me before, how do you get spiritually hungry? If I'm not spiritually hungry, how do I get there? How do I get there? You know, I tell people this, and I believe it with all my heart, that spiritual hunger is the exact opposite of natural hunger. Spiritual hunger is the exact opposite of natural hunger. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is this, natural hunger, once you get hungry and then you eat, it satisfies your hunger and you're not hungry anymore. Whereas the opposite is true in the spirit. It is, if I don't eat, I'll stop being hungry. But the more I feed myself, the more I feed my spirit, the more I feed my heart, the hungrier I get. The more I feed myself, the hungrier I get. The more I feed myself, the hungrier I get. So I tell people, if you want to develop more spiritual hunger, then feed yourself more. Feed yourself more. So what should I feed myself? Number one, you should feed yourself the word of God. No question. On a daily basis, you should be reading the mighty word of God, getting it into your spirit. But I don't stop there because I like to depend on, on top of that, what God has already placed in the world for the body of Christ. The Bible says that these are gifts given by heaven, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why are they given? For the perfecting of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints. So I'm not perfect, I'm justified, but I'm not perfected, so I need preaching and teaching. 
And so what do I do? I listen to preaching and teaching. I don't just read the word of God. I listen to other men teach me and preach to me the word of God. I'd encourage you to do the exact same. Don't just read it because here's what you'll find. And this is a big, this is like a pro tip, pro tip is that let's say, for example, you're a mechanic. Let's say you're a doctor. Let's say you're a whatever dentist. Let's say you're a landscaper. Your business is not preaching and teaching the word of God. So you, you don't have the same dedication to studying God's word necessarily uh, that a man of God does, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, because it's their business, it's their job. So they're going to know things, understand things, <clears throat> have discovered things that you have never discovered. And so why would I try to go 30 years to learn the same thing that a man of God learned in 30 years that he could teach me in 30 minutes. Think about that. And now it's like time compression. Say so what? It's like time compression. It's like they compress all their years of faithfulness and study and all, the, and, and all that they've done for the Lord. And then they're able to deliver these things to God's people in a shorter amount of time. That's how God works. That's impartation of wisdom. God's system is impartation. I wrote a whole book on it. It's called Further Faster. Further Faster. It's God's system of impartation. And so it takes us, why? So now we don't have to go 30 years to learn the same things they did. We can receive it from them quickly by wisdom imparted. And so I don't just read the word only, although I read the word daily. I also listen to preaching and teaching constantly. Constantly. And you know, even that's how the early church, did you know that's how the early church did it? You know, and I understood why this was so important and powerful. So in our app, in our app, the Miracle Word app, we created a digital radio station that just plays preaching and teaching 24 hours a day nonstop for you. That's all it does, specifically for you, to build your faith at any time. Did you know, also, that's why we do these broadcasts on a daily basis. Now we do it twice a day. Why? So you always have something to listen and build your faith and go to another level because it is the teaching, the preaching of the word of God that brings that kind of faith. And so spiritual hunger, the more I read, the hungrier I get. The more I listen to preaching and teaching, the hungrier I get. You ever, you ever felt that way? And you know, I was, I was going to bring you back here because I wanted you to see this. Um, as the church was growing in Acts chapter two, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. That's just one of the things they did, but they did it daily. They prayed daily in the temple. They listened to teaching. In fact, in fact, the apostles said, we don't have time. It's not worth it for us to do this other little work that we could delegate like uh, food distribution. Let other anointed men do that so that we can give ourselves to the study of the word and prayer so that we're ready to minister to God's people. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Amen. Because we need that and it builds and builds and builds hunger. Builds and builds and builds hunger. The more I pray, the hungrier I get. The more I read the word, the hungrier I get. The more I listen to preaching and teaching, the hungrier I get. Whew, hallelujah. I'll get so hungry for the things of the spirit, I won't eat natural food. 
It's called fasting. Fasting and prayer. You get so hungry for the things of the Spirit, you stop eating natural food. Fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. Fasting and prayer. And so I want you to hear this today. These are decisions that every great leader makes. You'll become, if you're not already, a great leader by doing that. Make Christ your boss. Choose to develop yourself constantly. Choose to operate by prophetic vision. Choose to provoke joy and peace on a daily basis. And then choose to stay hungry and anointed. Let me tell you, I don't, I'm not going to church less and less. I'm going to church more and more. Amen. I don't ever say like, well, Lord, you know, I'm a preacher. I don't need to be going to, no. I talked last night with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown for, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour. And just, I told him, I said, you know, yes, we're obviously in revivals. He's all all over the world. Yes, got the church, all these different things. I said, but I'm I'm still, I'm coming. I'm coming to, to minister's conference. Why? Because I want more, not less. I want to be stirred. I want more, not less. I don't look at the, God, the Lord and say, God, you know, I'm in church almost every night of my life. You know, I, no, I want more, not less. I want more and not less. Glory to God. I want more and not less. I'm pressing in. I'm going to have what God said is mine. I'm going to get hungrier than I am now. I'm going to get thirstier than I am now. And I'm going after it with everything I've got. See, I, we need that. We, we stay on fire. Put this in the comments in all capital letters. Never let the fire go out. Put it in the comments. Never let the fire go out. Thank you, Jesus. Never let the fire go out. And you know this. If you have ever been camping, you've ever built a campfire, you'll know what it requires, don't you? I made made the decision. You know, I like... You know, I get into something real heavily and then I I do it for a while and then I move on to something else. But I was really into the like survival gear stuff, you know, wilderness stuff, all that backpacking, backpacker magazine. And um, I went up to Northern Maine in the winter and um, uh me and a few other guys made the decision in February, it was like negative 20 degrees, made the decision in February that we were gonna do an outdoor camp. And we weren't gonna go to a cabin, we weren't, no, not even tents. That we got all dressed, got all of our gear, pulled a bunch of stuff behind us on a sled into the woods, and basically just did a lean-to. If you don't know what a lean-to is, just like some, whether you cut logs or use boards, whatever, basically just sits out like this and it's like a shelter you can just lay under. But there's no door, there's nothing just to lean to. Keep, keep whatever's snow off you, rain off you, whatever. And so <clears throat> we decided to just go out into the woods. Um, <laughs> Tiffany said, being the backpacker guy you are and all. Um, went out into the woods and uh, we had to make a decision. All right, we are <clears throat> gonna sleep out here all night course we had our sleeping bags and our warm clothes and all that but still you need fire you have to have fire yeah normal life in Saskatchewan you have to have fire so a lot of times what you can do you can build a long fire 
it's a, and you'll see this if you've ever seen anybody do it and survive this way, you can build a long fire that's almost like the length of your shelter, or the length of your body, and then you can uh, sleep. But what I noticed as I was out there, freezing cold temperatures, below, far below freezing cold temperatures, is that throughout the night, I would keep being awakened as I got colder. And then I'd look over and notice the fire was dying down. That's what was happening all night long. And we had pre-planned this and obviously had plenty of wood chopped that we brought. And so I'd get up. I'd get up off my sleeping bag. I'd go over, grab a, a few more of those logs and throw them on the fire and then blow and get that fire uh, really built up again with some of that thick hard wood. So it would burn a long time. And then I'd get back in bed and go to bed. And I noticed that that I'd wake up maybe a few hours later and the fire had died down and it needed more fuel. This is literally how the life of the believer is, is that you have to constantly throw fuel on the fire. That's what the word of God does. That's what preaching and teaching does. That's what prayer and fasting does. All these, that's what praise does. Throwing fuel on the fire. That's what soul winning does. Throwing fuel on the fire. And notice what happens is that uh, just like me, <clears throat> as I was out there, you get uncomfortable quick. If you're connected to God and your fire starts to go down, you start getting uncomfortable quickly. And then you have to take a step. You have to make a move and you got to do something about it. Otherwise, <clears throat> what ends up happening is people drift and they drift and they drift. Well, they don't want to feel uncomfortable. So what do they do? They stop being faithful. Because as long, if I don't get around it, then I won't feel uncomfortable because, you know, I'm not going to church anymore. It start, it's, a, it's like a snowball. That's why you have to, when you feel that, you know your spirit's connected to Christ. You're like, I, I feel out of sorts. I don't feel like, I, don't feel like I, I was feeling. Get back to feeling that way. Get back to being on fire. Don't let the fire go out. Get up out of your sleeping bag and throw some logs back on the fire. Get that fire roaring again. Never let the fire go out. Never let the fire go out. That's the key. Never let the fire go out. And, and it's not God's responsibility. It's ours. It's ours. It's what we do in dedication. I'll give you uh, this verse from Jeremiah. Listen to this. And you, I've read you this a ton of times. One of my favorites. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Look, your words were found, Jeremiah said, talking to God. I found your words and I ate them. I devoured your word. What happened? Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I not only found your word, I devoured your word. And when I devoured your word, it became to me a joy and the rejoicing of my heart. There it is. That's what Jeremiah is saying. That when I go in and receive your word, devour it, it turns into joy. Glory to God. It turns into joy. It turns into joy. Turns into strength. Turns into healing. Turns into prosperity. The Bible's clear about all these things with the power of God's word. No question. And that's how it needs to be for us. We go after it with everything we have. And I'm telling you, the reason I'm teaching this today is that God is raising you up to be a great leader 
in these final moments of time. Doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher. Doesn't mean you have to be a teacher. You don't have to pastor a church. What has God called you to do? In whatever arena you find yourself, you will be, in Jesus' name, a great leader in that arena. I don't care if it's like Lee said, he's at his school teaching. Doesn't matter. You may be in the ministry. God will use you mightily. You might be a doctor. You might be a lawyer. You might be uh, your own, you have your own landscaping business. You might be a painter. It doesn't matter. God's raising you up. You might be a stay-at-home mom raising your children. God's raising you up to be a great leader in this generation. A great leader. One that won't compromise. One that will not bow their knee. That's the, I'll, I'll give you that as a bonus as the last thing. Great leaders make a choice to never compromise to the spirit of this world. Never compromise to the spirit of this world. Won't do it. Will not do it. And Father, I thank you that the spirit of your anointing, the power of your anointing is all over them, in them, dwelling. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We are filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. Resurrection power. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask you, if there's people watching me today or listening, they don't know yet what they're called to do. I ask you, Lord, speak to them very quickly as they listen, as they humble themselves. Give them that prophetic vision that they're called to. And we thank you for that. And then let every one of us have a new strength come upon us today, a new strength to run our race and finish the course. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.